At the age of four, Maria Torpakai Wazir burned her dresses and cut her hair. Men's over there are the priority. At 12, she got into weightlifting, where she made her way to the top of the rankings. I ended up in sports accidentally. Soon after, she found squash. I, I saw young boys uh, playing in a squash court with be- in beautiful shorts. I really like shorts, so... Today, she is one of the top-ranked squash players in the world. That's an accomplishment anywhere. In Pakistan, it's extraordinary. Maria grew up in Waziristan, the Taliban-dominated region that borders Afghanistan. Sports were not something girls were permitted to do, so Maria disguised herself as a boy. That worked until she became a serious contender. Yet as she gained recognition as a female squash player, she and her family started to receive death threats. That forced her to stop playing, but it did not force her to give up. Confined to her house, she continued to practice and sought help. She sent thousands of emails to people she thought could help her get out of Pakistan. You're gonna hit most of the stuff off your right foot. I'm gonna be playing short, straight kill, and straight Jonathan Power, a former champion squash player from Canada, responded. Maria left Pakistan and began to train in Toronto. Today, Maria is not only one of the world's leading squash players, but also the author of a memoir, A Different Kind of Daughter, The Girl Who Hid from the Taliban in Plain Sight. Maria Torpakai Wazir joins me today from New York. You started dressing as a boy when you were four. Can you tell us why? Um, well, the region that I come from is um, an Afghanistan border. And these were tribal areas, and uh, it's completely lawless. And uh, people, the, the lifestyle there is very uh, ancient, and uh, people don't really believe in girls' education. It's the culture, because of the culture, too many restrictions on girls. They're bought and sold in marriages, and uh, education is more considered as uh, unnecessary or vulgarity. But uh, to men, everything is uh, considered as uh, asset, you know, like uh, if even they are getting education or even they are doing, like uh, men's over there are the priority. So if you have a son, you if you have more sons, you are a wealthy person. If you have more daughters, you are the poorest. So that kind of concept. But I... When I was four and a half, I uh, realized that, that I want to go out freely and play among those little boys out there. So the only difference at that age I could see between a girl and a boy was more like clothing style or the hairstyle. And that's why I burned all my girly dresses and cut short my hair. And, uh, and you know, luckily, thanks to God, um, you know, I have a very supportive father who instead of uh, screaming at me or scolding me for, you know, for doing something like uh, that outrageous. And he smiled and he named me Genghis Khan that day. So since that age, I grew up with that name and I had the same freedom as any other boy out there would have it. And I was the, I would say I was the only girl who could explore that region more than any, anyone else, right? So, but uh, that attitude also, uh, raised me very strong, made me very strong, and also made me realize that uh, men and women are living very different lives. And being human, we are all equal, but why that much difference and why that much of um, 
you know one is completely free do whatever they want and another one is always uh, on mercy of the other one so that kind of feeling the name Genghis Khan how did that give you strength Genghis uh, Khan was more like a I mean, like my father named me and all my brothers are Khan, so I was one of Khans. <laughs> so it was like nothing different. And uh, maybe I looked like Genghis Khan too. No. <laughs> maybe. So, but I really like enjoyed that name and uh, like because I had the freedom was attached to that kind of looks, I think, with that name and with that looks. That's why I really enjoyed my time there. Basha Push. Basha Push. Basha Push. Basha Push. Yes. Is a Persian term that means dressed like a boy, and it's a common phenomenon in Pakistan. Not in Pakistan that much. Uh, in Afghanistan, we have, uh, because Afghanistan is, is, is a land of mostly Pashtun people, but uh, is uh, also Persian, a lot of Persian, and uh, they have two languages, per- Farsi and Pashto. And my own great grandfather was second to King Amanullah in Afghanistan. Uh, and being on the border, you know, we all Pashtuns, whether on this side of the border or that side of the border, we are all same and same culture, um, Afghan or the tribal region of Pakistan. So, um, but in Afghanistan, you hear those kind of stories that uh, goes probably um, because Angelina Jolie recently created a movie, uh, produced a movie, uh, The Breadwinner, that has a, uh, it's about Bacha Posh, a girl who pretend to be a boy to earn for their family. But uh, in tribal areas now, we didn't have that kind of idea to that. In our region, it's very different. We are mostly Pashtuns, and we don't have that much Persians either. So um, maybe in, in Afghanistan, you might see those kind of things. And maybe the term in Farsi is because of it happened in the Persian community, but Pashtun community never heard that. So you didn't know anyone else who engaged in? Never heard that. You credit your father for encouraging your mother to pursue an education and for encouraging you to play sports. How did your father arrive at this worldview, which is so different from many men in Waziristan? Um, I, when I look at my father, he's extremely strong uh, and has an extremely strong willpower. He is positive. He has a strong faith in God. And he learned from nature. And he, when he looks, uh, when he looks at the look at uh, birds, and he see that the bird would never feed the female baby bird first, uh, later, and the baby boy first. Like they do not differentiate between their children animal. They would feed whoever is hungry. And this is how the nature works. So being human, being intelligent, how can we be so stupid? differentiating between a girl and a boy what they have to wear what they have to how they have to look what they should do what they shouldn't do it doesn't really uh, define you know a girl or boy so my father just let me be myself and he also he had to go through a lot of resistance and threats and uh, attacks uh, he was put in mental jail and he was tied uh, without like clothes and you know he, by his own family and his own family tried to kill him 
but he, the thing is that he left his family long time ago and then he he wanted this change for the for the people there and he knew that the the that's the path that will take us out of all the problems that we are facing you know the today the terrorism we are facing the extremism we are facing that is the solution to all of that my father knew but it was hard to convince people because people are scared of change so he realized that he has to start this change from his own family first so he uh, started educating my mother after marriage and she is today a principal in high school all their life they worked in tribal regions my sister she was a best debater by age 9 uh, people used to call her junior benazir bhutto and she was uh, the youngest pro- parliamentarian at age 26 and what influence has your mother had on you uh well my mom is a uh, very very calm so and my dad is like you can do it and you can achieve it and you will find and you will go further and he was always supportive on that side and my mom is like uh when you're we, when we are uh, intense then my mom is like oh everything is fine don't worry it will come and it will happen and stuff like that right so she is a uh, very it's like cold wire and hot wire <laughs> yin and yang <laughs> yeah, yeah so i think it's a good combination so my mom is uh, very lovely and i think my mom was the one who started writing speeches for my sister so my sister would uh, like she would write her speeches about th- those issues th- like women rights or uh, human rights or child labor environmental pollution growing population and that way she would practice her you know her own english and stuff and then my sister would you know say those speeches so it was my mom was a lot of contribution to the family and at the same time when my dad was going through a lot of pressure by from the society and from his own family and he had no one left all he had my mom and they had to raise us you know all by themselves from zero they had uh, no resources no support no friends no one I think my mom ha- was a huge support uh, to my to my dad and also to all of us who we are today. Maria, you're here in New York and you're going to be presenting at a gala dinner tonight uh that the International Olympic Committee is hosting. People know that you are a world-renowned squash player. You have had huge successes. But with successes always comes a lot of failure and a lot of low moments. Could you talk about some of those low moments and how you overcame them? Um I always believed in myself. Um I I knew that people people came to me, people would come to me that I'm a go, I can't do anything or you know I am uh, my physique is not for squash or you know all kind of stuff to discourage you and to stop you from playing. and all kind of actions but uh i knew where i want to go and i knew i can do it so nobody has to tell me what i can and what i can't so um i i would always push myself to extreme and train harder every time when i when you get up when i got up for the second time you know like after losing or after losing a match or after uh, facing a lot of discrimination if i'm if i go back on the court next day i would feel more empowered more determined and 
my vision is more clear than before. Squash is the second most popular sport in Pakistan. What is it about the sport that appeals to Pakistanis? Uh, first of all, I have to thank British for bringing that sport in Pakistan. It, it's one of the greatest sport, I would say. To me, it's very special. And uh, on the other side, we had many legends, you know, world champions from Pakistan uh, for decades, you know, who who ruled uh, the ranking, the top of the world in squash. So that was very inspiring, and that's why I, I believe that all the children got inspired. They wanted to become, be, be like them and become world champions. But there were no girls role models for them to see that girls can, see, girls can look up to them and say, I want to become a world champion too, and I want to play sports. It's very uh, inspiring to me that when I go back to Peshawar and when I see that you know, there was a time I was the only one, and now I see there are 27, 28 girls playing. And they come in burqa, but when they get on court, and I see them, you know, like, you know, they, they, they start running in, like, track suits. They, they, I feel that excitement, and it makes me happy and hopeful, and it's not, I'm not only happy and hopeful for, this, for, the, for those young girls, but also for the whole nation. It, it will change everything. It's changing already. And when you first started playing squash, what about the sport appealed to you? Well, for me, that was the last resort, I would say, uh, because the first sport I was introduced to was weightlifting. And I, uh, sport, I ended up in sports accidentally. It was not planned anything. Uh, I was a very aggressive child and always found bruised and bleeding in the middle of fights. My father, um, you know, by, by age 12, you know, he, my father realized that it's going to be very difficult for me being a girl surviving in that kind of petri- extreme patriarchal society. It goes, you know, physically changed too at that age, so it would be really ha- hard to hide. But anyways, like he... Um, never told me anything like that uh, and he was th- looking for ways to channel my energy to that negative energy that I was always f- found in the middle of fights but also uh, my, my aggression but also he want to see me independent he was worried that I'm not the kind of girl that you would give away in marriage and you know you say uh, you know my responsibility is done so because I grew up like Genghis Khan, like boys, <laughs> so he was worried. So finally he realized that people play sports in Peshawar and he took me to the sports complex where he found a weightlifting coach and he introduced my, fa- my dad introduced me as Genghis Khan. And that's how I started playing weightlifting. That's, that's how I ended up in sports, I would say. But squash was something. Um, I I saw young boys uh, playing in a squash court with beautiful in beautiful shorts. I really like shorts, so I saw them playing in shorts and beautiful rackets, jumping and diving, you know, to get the ball. I just got really excited and I asked my dad if I can play squash, and he really liked the idea. He thought that you know uh, my aggression. This is the best sport for me because my aggression will be will, will be going on the, on the wall rather than fighting outside and engage, get engaged in fights. So that's why I ended up in squash. Squash took that negative energy that you just talked about 
and it gave you discipline and you harnessed it into something positive. Can you talk about when you started to see that manifest itself? Well, that's the main reason I strongly believe in sports and using it as a tool, you know, to restore peace in in the communities and in the world. Why is that? Because uh, I was an aggressive child. It was uh, diverted into into positive energy. My uh, my negative energy was changed completely. And when I started playing squash, I would hit for hours and hours against the wall and the hardest I can and the perfect I can become and better, my whole c- focus was to become better every time at, in, at squash and play better than anybody else. And that became my fight rather than f- physical fight outside. And uh, that way I started winning tournaments and um, I, I got, I was praised by, you know, uh, by prime ministers and presidents and I, you know, the people who were uh, discouraging me or the people who, said that I can't do anything, uh, they saw me achieving everything. So every time it be- made me more focused and I felt that squash is, sp- not only squash, but I believe that sports has that power to change the world and change people from inside out. Major sporting events have often been used to promote or protest geopolitical issues. And I'm thinking of the 1980 and 1984 Summer Olympics when the U.S. and the Soviet Union, respectively, boycotted the Games, or this past Winter Olympics where South Korea extended an invitation to North Korea, which resulted in a diplomatic thaw. Squash and sports play a similar role in South Asia. Are we asking too much of athletes by turning sports into a political vehicle? I don't think so. We are, uh, I mean, this is what sports mean. Like you, sports uh, is not only entertainment, but sports connect people uh, in a peaceful way and enjoy at the same time and, uh, you know, uh, become friends again and unite, unite everyone. So this is the actual, that's why this, this is what sports is doing all over. This is sports history in the making, and this will be a powerful, emotional moment for the two Koreas, a united team at a time when there's very little unity here on anything. North and South Korea marching together as they will next month under a joint flag. They've done it before. If you see North Korea and South Korea, we could never imagine that these two countries will come and sit together and, and, or walk under the same flag. And, but it happened, and thanks to sports, that's what happened through sports. And same thing, like, this is what we want to do between India and Pakistan. Uh, we should let go our egos and we should, um, you know, use sports. This is a positive activity and use sports as a vehicle, to, as a tool to um, regain peace in the region. Maria, do you consider yourself a feminist? I mean, I believe, you mean like, um, can you explain a little bit? So, I guess let me ask this question. Right. How would you define feminism? And in your definition, would you consider yourself a feminist? I mean, it's, uh, to me, it's equality is very important. And uh, it's not about one gender or the other gender. 
uh, to me, um, everyone is equal, every human is equal, and should be treated equally. Maria, we end each of our episodes asking our guests this question. What gives you hope? Children. The young generation. And I work, whenever I see children, I, I love them, and I would always go to them and always try to teach them something or learn from them. I think they're very smart. Children can teach us a lot. And also these children, when I see, I think today, we, the older generation, I would say, you know, like, we can't be selfish. We cannot be selfish and leave the world in a bad condition for them, for our future generation. And we have to fix it one way or the other. And there are many things. And today we have many role models around the world. The young people that you hear, the girl from Denmark who spoke up for uh, climate change and the girl from Sweden from Sweden the girl from Sweden the girl from Sweden who uh, spoke up for climate change a young girl she's 16 years old and then we have Malala Yousafzai many young people who are coming out about that even from like war zones so there are people who are ta- young people who are talking about climate change about education about health about uh, peace, you know, they want peace, they're suffering because of war, and we have to listen to them, and all the world should pay attention to the uh, UN. That's the, that's the organization. We all have to listen and all have to be honest to, to, the, to the United Nations. It, nothing is impossible, everything is possible once we have honesty in our actions. Maria, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That was Maria Torpakai Wazir, a world-renowned squash player from Pakistan. She is the author of A Different Kind of Daughter, The Girl Who Hid from the Taliban in Plain Sight. And that's all for this episode. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear what you think about it. Please rate and review our podcast. Better yet, subscribe on your favorite listening app. Until next time, I'm Elmira Bayrosli. PS Podcasts is produced and edited by Kasha Brasalian. Special thanks to Project Syndicate editors Jonathan Stein and Rachel Dunnoff.